like a kid on Christmas waking up this morning, getting the opportunity to get back on the ice with the guys. And I know there's only a few of them out there and it's an optional morning skate, but um, you know, just with everything that, uh, that I've, that I've been through, it just, it seems like it's, uh, things are getting back to normal for me. So that's, that's what I've wanted all along. And, um, it just felt, uh, it felt really good to be, uh, be here and, you know, really feel like you're, I guess, part of the group. What is up hockey fans? This is the golden edge podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas review journal talks about hockey and players who soon might be participating in the game again. I am Ben Goetz, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line, as always, this Wednesday afternoon is my colleague, David Shane. Dave, how's it hanging, man? Uh, Good. Uh, We got an unexpected five-day break. I'm going to kick the feet up, uh, watch some TV, catch up on some sleep, and, uh, you know, enjoy it, I guess, while we can, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's very weird. It feels like not that long ago because it wasn't that long ago where the Knights had a break uh, because they were off for the holidays. And here, all of a sudden, because of some uh, postponements in Canada, they have a nice break again. Uh, We watched them lose in a shootout to the Toronto Maple Leafs last night. The Knights don't play again until Monday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. But luckily, they left us with plenty to talk about before they went away. For a little bit, uh, there was a, a very notable return to T-Mobile Arena uh, this past weekend, and there was a very notable arrival to City National Arena yesterday, and we're going to get into all of that. But before we do, I just want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge Podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Please check out all our written work at Review Journal. Dot com. Uh, I say this, I think, every time the Knights take a brief pause, but just because they're on a break doesn't necessarily mean our coverage is. We're still going to have stories for you guys every day, including a big one tomorrow because the All-Star Game rosters are going to be revealed. And, of course, that All-Star Game is taking place at T-Mobile Arena, so you guys are going to want to check that out. Uh, and, of course, uh, we are presented by Blue Wire. Uh, and if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcasts, please do to this one. That would very much be appreciated. All right. Well, let's start off with the arrival to City National Arena yesterday. Uh, you actually heard from him off the top. It was a certain number nine who participated in his first Golden Knights practice yesterday. And that, of course, is Jack Eichel. And Dave, I'm going to start you off with a question I think is on the tip of everybody's tongue everybody's wondering, how's he looking? Oh, I mean, he should have played last night. He was ready to go, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay, so I'm going to be kind of the party pooper on this, actually. It, it's funny that, that you're going to give me this opportunity. It's, like, totally on brand for me. Um, so here's here's the thing. Here's the positive. He is two months removed from major surgery on his neck, and he was out there skating around taking one-timers and doing, you know, all the sorts of things that that just kind of from a distance, sort of from the naked eye. And and I think Kelly McCrimmon sort of alluded to this, you know, he looks looks good. And I'm not I'm not saying this condescending like I'm some, you know, scout or anything like that. But like when you really, really, really watch him, if if you're gonna kind of take yourself away from sort of you know, like maybe like the confirmation bias, like you're looking for him to look really good, right? If you can 
look at it objectively. I mean, he was like 75%, 80%, you know, speed going through those drills and stuff. Like he wasn't standing in front of the net trying to tip anything. Cause you know, he sure as heck didn't want to, you know, take a puck in the wrong spot or anything like that. You totally understand it. Like he wasn't really going full bore, you know, when he skated, like he, he was, he was going, you know, it wasn't like he was just kind of out for, you know, like a Sunday stroll and, and kind of, you know, kicking his feet, you know, sideways and doing snow plows to stop and stuff like that. It wasn't like, it wasn't like anything like that, but you could tell there was another, maybe another step, another level uh, that he has still in him. And, and it's going to take a while, I think, for him to get there. And yeah, it should be pointed out that obviously we're still a ways away from what we saw yesterday, which was Jack Eichel participating in an optional morning skate, uh, to Jack Eichel playing in a game for the Golden Knights. And we're going to get into kind of how specifically that will work out in a little more detail in a second here. But I do want to uh, start kind of or move on to mentioning, you know, I know what was kind of saying tongue in cheek, how do you look? But I do think it's kind of important to talk about um, he was very, very excited and you could feel kind of his enthusiasm through the Zoom call he did with the media uh, about how excited he was to participate in an optional morning skate with like none of the team's veterans on a Tuesday. Uh, I mean, it made me think about, you know, this is a guy who loves being a hockey player, but hasn't done hockey activities with a hockey team since March uh, because that's when he got hurt, kind of suffered the herniated disc in his neck. And obviously then he was away from the Buffalo Sabres. There was an off season. He kind of didn't return to be around the Buffalo Sabres at the beginning of this year because they were feuding about how to treat that herniated disc in his neck. And then of course he gets traded to the gold Knights and he kind of shows up briefly, but then goes away to have his surgery and then is rehabbing in North Carolina for a while. So this is like, I think one of the first times he kind of felt like a hockey player on a hockey team again. And, you know, he used the phrase that it felt like normal for him again, a couple of different times when he was talking to us via zoom. And I think you could just really, feel his excitement level like through the screen dave am i wrong about that no not at all and i i I think you know a lot of it was just the locker room stuff the camaraderie and wanting to feel like he's you know back here and on a team part of a team you know one of the guys so to speak uh you know they they mentioned um you know the gold knights are here for a little bit obviously you know home games so he gets to sort of figure out the routine you know, a game day routine, you know, when you show up at the rink, where you go, uh, just just kind of, you know, getting comfortable with all that, the route, you know, that you drive, you know, whatever that might be. Uh, but the other side of it, too, that they talked about was, you know, just like getting on the team plane. You know, there that I think I think it was Mark Stone and even talked about like there was some logistics that he had to learn, you know, after he got traded to just kind of get comfortable, get acclimated. It's you know, there's a little bit of, um, I don't know, how do I say this? There's a little bit of Lord of the Flies with it, right? You're on the, you know, you're on the the plane and, you know, there's some status and, you know, which card game are you involved in? Or like, you know, you was hanging out in the back watching a movie, like you know, just all the sorts of things that, that happen with, you know, sort of the dynamic of a team and chemistry and, and all that. And, the longer that he can get a feel that Jack Eichel can get a feel for that and sort of immerse himself in that, I think it becomes easier to develop on ice chemistry. 
you know, a lot of those things I think go hand in hand. There's some synergy involved in that. And, and, you know, when, when you start to get along with somebody really well off the ice, you know, and you start to feel comfortable, it makes it easier to play with them and, you know, feel good about your game on the ice. And, and so I think, you know, that's a lot of where, where Jack Eichel's excitement, I think, really lied. He's been on the ice. Like, he's skated in North Carolina. So it wasn't like this was the first time that was, he was able to lace up his bowers and grab a stick and, like, do all that stuff. But it was the first time that he was able to really, you know, do it with other guys skating, you know, around him, coaches, talking to them, interacting, all of that. And, and and I absolutely think, you know, that that you could see that and, and feel that, you know, that emotion, that excitement that, that he was feeling. No, totally. And obviously, yeah, I think it's just a big part of that is kind of feeling like he's part of the team again, at least, you know, starting to for sure off the ice now on the ice. Um like I said, the timeline is still relatively murky at this point. Um, the major hurdle he is going to have to clear is contact. He was wearing a non-contact jersey at the morning skate yesterday. Uh, Pete DeVore said he's going to be non-contact for a while. Um, and Eichel himself said he didn't have like a target date, a set date that he would like to return and play his first game as a knight. Uh, let's listen to what he had to say about that yesterday. Uh, I was actually thinking about suiting up tonight, but they wouldn't let me go. So, um, no, um, <clears throat> I wish, uh, I, I wouldn't say there's really a target date at this, at this point. I think it's, um, you know, see how you feel and see how you progress and, um, how confident and comfortable you are. And I think at that point, uh, you know, you'll know, I, I feel like I'll know mentally and physically and emotionally when I'm ready to go. Um, you know, the team, the organization has been so supportive and, uh, you know, not, not putting a, a hard date on when I need to be back or, or when they would expect me to be back. So it's, it's been, uh, you know, very low pressure, just, Hey, listen, you know, we'll continue to do, you know, what we need to do to get you back, uh, to where you feel comfortable enough to, to compete. And, um, that's sort of in my mindset too. So, uh, you know, no target date. I think, you know, you have different milestones that you want to meet during, uh, during this process. And, you know, today was one being back on the ice with other guys and being here in Las Vegas. So uh, we'll just continue to progress from here and see how it goes. Get all the Nevada Preps high school sports coverage you need, plus all Southern Nevada team announcements powered by the Review Journal at NevadaPreps.com. Nevada Preps is sponsored by College Prospects of America, connecting student athletes with academic and athletic opportunities. Find out how at CPOA-Nevada.com. So what... Michael said there and kind of all the non-timeline stuff uh, tracks with actually what you heard from general manager Kelly McCrimmon last month, Dave. Um, the initial timeline when Eichel was traded and got his surgery was three to five months, which means that we're still at least, you know, another month away from the end of that timeline. We're about two months post-surgery um, as of the day that we're recording this. Um, plus, you know, I know McCrimmon told you clearing Eichel for contact is going to perhaps be the hardest part and uh, may take the most time. So I do think, and you know, it's going to be probably tough for some people here, but I think it obviously is really exciting for fans and obviously even his teammates to see him on the ice with them. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we're like a week away from Jack Eichel playing in a game or anything. No. And, and 
I'll, th- I'll throw the one tease out there is February 1st. And if anybody wants to jump on Google real quick, look at the Golden Knights schedule. I'll give you a second. And you'll pop up and you'll see the Buffalo Sabres. And I don't know if Jack Eichel is, you know, looking at that behind the scenes going, hmm, that would be a pretty pretty fun date to come back if I feel ready. I, I mean, I think, you know, Jack Eichel made it very clear uh, it's going to take, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally for him to be at 100% and, and kind of know when he's ready. Uh, and you just talked about, like, it, it, you, it's, it's kind of a miss. Like, nobody's gone through this. He's the first NHL player to go through this. So to have any sort of reference point and say, you know, oh, you know, he can come by. Like, he doesn't know. We don't know. Nobody really knows. Like, but the, I'm just saying like February 1st, like that's just sort of dangling out there. And, and, and I go back and I think about what he said about the Olympics and, you know, obviously his disappointment about, you know, the decision to, for the NHL to pull out, but you know, more so that he, you know, he wasn't saying he would be ready, but he wasn't saying he wouldn't be ready either. And and so it makes you kind of think like, well, you know, when is he when is he maybe going to feel, you know, coming back, you know, he's comfortable when when is he going to feel like he can go, you know, 100 percent early February? You know, that that would be ahead of that three month schedule. Uh, we don't know. You know, is it going to take a little bit? Are the Knights going to make sure? Hey. You know, look, we're winning. We don't need to rush you back. You know, we're going to take some extra time here. You know, maybe there's some salary cap stuff, you know, that, that maybe they want to just say, hey, you know, let's let's just make sure. Like, there's there's so many different factors, I think, with all this that that's going to come into play. You know, ultimately, though, here's the other side of this. The Knights acquired a 25-year-old franchise center. And so, yes... You want him for this year to make a cup run, and that's you know a short-term reason that they made the trade. But there's also a long-term vision, you know, with all of this. And if you rush him back, and something goes sideways, and you you know lose all of that future, you know, production and and everything that you were expecting to get when you acquired Jack Eichel, you know, then it's not worth it. So. I know the Golden Knights are going to take their time, and and I know Jack Eichel is going to take his time, you know, to make sure everything's right before you know he's jumping on the ice in a in a game situation. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Jack Eichel's got four years left on his contract uh, after this one, and uh, he counts ten million dollars a year against the salary cap. So definitely an investment the Golden Knights are going to work very hard to protect. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, He's not going to uh, talk to the media, at least until he plays his first NHL game. But uh, if you stop by, you know, City National Arena to watch the Golden Knights practice in the next couple weeks, uh, I think you're going to see number nine out there a whole lot, even if he might not be ready to play for still a little bit here. Uh, So let's shift from the arrival at City National Arena to the uh, returnee at T-Mobile Arena on Saturday because the other major storyline this week was, of course, Marc-Andre Fleury's return to Las Vegas. And uh, shockingly, uh, to the real surprise of probably nobody, uh, he provided just a vintage Fleury performance, made 30 saves, helped Chicago win 2-1 here. I mean, Dave, was there just 
a more fitting way that could have gone with Mark Andre Fleury just showing right back up and showing the Knights that uh, he still has it? <laughs> no, I mean other than like maybe if the Knights had tied the game and then you know let Chicago win it in overtime, well, not let, but you know gotten a point out of it. But no, yeah, I, I mean I think if all the fans you know that wanted to go there and see Flurry and see the Knights. If they'd have drawn it up, it probably would have been something pretty close to that script for sure. Yeah, it was uh, absolutely just fitting. And it was, of course, an emotional night. Um, Flurry got a tribute video before the game, which is the first time I can remember you know that happening. Usually it's about the first media timeout where the Knights kind of play those. Um, it looked like the cameras kind of caught him tearing up, and you could definitely tell. It meant a lot to him. I think you could tell it meant a lot uh, specifically to Jonathan Marsh. So he was one guy that uh, I was watching that you could tell he was getting a little emotional too. Um, I mean, we talked um, last episode, we were talking about kind of the revenge week that the Knights uh, had going on with Paul Stasny, Nate Schmidt, Jar Gallant, Ryan Reeves all coming back that, you know, Flurry kind of fittingly was like the closer in this big finale because he was kind of the biggest of them all. It was, funny to hear Shea Theodore before the game kind of even admit like, yeah, all these other games were cool, but this one's going to be, you know, the biggest. Um, it, I think it kind of lived up to the hype, but you know, Dave, obviously for you, the atmosphere in that building with the guy that has done so much there specifically, uh, was it everything you were kind of expecting and, you know, believing that you would see? Yeah. You know what? And, and I want to say this and, and maybe I'm not surprised by this, and I want to make that clear, but I thought the fans were great. And I definitely think there was, you know, maybe in the back of my mind, and I don't know about in anybody else's mind, there was a little bit of worry, you know, like, how is this thing going to go? You know, are the, how are they going to turn? Are they, are they going to be respectful? You know, are they going to, you know, treat Flurry like any other opposing goalie or, or something like that? Like, it, it could have gone so many different directions. And, and I thought the fans that were there handled it perfectly. You know, they they cheered. You know, they 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 let the tears run down their own face. You know, when the when the tribute video was going on, just just like Flurry did. And you know, once the game went on, like you know, he made a couple saves, and like you know, Leonard let in a couple goals, and you didn't hear all of a sudden you know boos, and you didn't hear like a flurry flurry. Like none of that happened. Like the the. It wasn't like a Philly crowd. Sorry, Philly fans, but like, you know, I'm going to stereotype you, but like, it wasn't like that. And, and I think, you know, kudos, you know, really should go out to the fans that they, they seem to get it. You know, they, there, there was a cool vibe in there to use that word. You know, it was a, it was a fun atmosphere. Here's what I'll say though, just from the hockey standpoint of it was afterward, Pete DeBoer talked about how the Knights just didn't have any juice and, and I found that really interesting that with all of the emotion from that week and then coming in Marc-Andre Fleury, like, I don't know, maybe they just, you know, put everything into that Thursday game and, and didn't have, you know, any sort of gas left in the emotional tank for Saturday. But but the Knights, you know, they, they outshot them and, and yeah, Fleury played really well and and really sort of won that game for the Blackhawks. But at the same time, you know, there there was a lack of energy, I think, from the Knights that that was very, you know, unusual and unexpected. 
considering the circumstances. And, and I just think from the hockey standpoint, you know, maybe that, that was a little surprising and unexpected. Yeah, it was very weird because you mentioned, obviously, Ryan Reeves and Gerard Gallant returned that Thursday. And the Knights end up playing one of their best games of the season. I mean, they dominate a very good Rangers team. And you know, it was kind of interesting because we talked you know, beforehand of like, ooh, what's that going to be like? Oh, I bet like Ryan Reeves is going to you know do a heel turn and get trying to team mobile arena to boo him. I mean, he really didn't have the chance to. He didn't really have a chance to put his stamp on that game because it just felt the Knights were just so locked in and in control for the majority of the time. And it was very weird to kind of see them go from that kind of crushing victory over a very good team to all of a sudden just a very, I don't know if lackadaisical is the right word, but like, you know, you said kind of Pete DeBoer uh, made sure to point out, like we don't have enough juice, a juiceless performance against a not so good team i mean the chicago blackhawks are having a very very poor year and uh, mark andre fleury uh, was kind of part of that at the beginning of the year he's actually been much better lately and kind of the team has been since moving on from coach jeremy Carlton. but they're still not that good and so i mean even in that game i think it was pretty clear it's not like the chicago skaters were necessarily like kind of taking it to the knights it's just the knights are kind of for whatever reason you know, not at the peak of their game. And I don't know whether that was because, you know, Flurry was there. As I just mentioned, you know, all of a sudden we have a tribute video before puck drop and maybe that kind of changes the energy on the bench or in the building or, you know, guys are just so used to shooting against Marc-Andre Flurry at practice and he's uh, such a disarming guy that, you know, maybe he threw him off. I don't know, but... Uh, you're right. It just was weird, Dave, um, but it did kind of pave, obviously, the path for Fleury to just being kind of the runaway story of that game. And he was kind of his, his typical Marc-Andre Fleury self afterward, too, just kind of saying thank you to, you know, the fans and everything like that, which wasn't shocking. But uh, it was still cool to hear him talk either before the game and after the game about, you know, how much the game meant to him and how much being in Las Vegas meant to him. And it was interesting to see him, you know, kind of continue to carry that. Yeah, but you know what? They made him the second star of the game. Like, come on. I have no idea what that was. What is that? Like, come on. I mean, you know, that just felt that felt a little unusual. But, you know, I'm sure Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, I think you could tell, you know, underneath that mask at the end of the game, you know, how much it meant to him. And then, you know, the Blackhawks have you know, like a player of the game thing that, that goes to, you know, the guy, it's like a, you know, looks like a WWF title belt, I think, or WWE, I guess you got to call it now. Sorry. I'm showing my age there. Um, but you know, you Mark Andre Fleury made a comment after about, you know, you know how much this, this meant to me boys and, and all that. So, so I, I think it was pretty obvious, you know, what that victory, you know, meant, but yeah, second star, come on. Yeah, no, I that, that was hilarious, but yeah, that uh, was an interesting selection. Um, there's not going to be any selections for a long time, though, because uh, the Knights played the Toronto Maple Leafs last night, and now they don't play again, as we said, until Monday, which is weird because they were just off uh, for the holidays. They had almost uh, a week off uh, between, the, I believe, the 21st and the 28th when they had games. 
Um, this schedule has just been weird, uh, Dave, and it's obviously going to get weirder because the Knights have four postponed games that need to be made up at some point, and the Olympic break that obviously will no longer be happening will get kind of rewritten at some point with some of those games probably being filled in. But, I mean, obviously the Olympic break is uh, scheduled to be three weeks long, and the Knights only have four games to make up, so that has the potential to be you know, a weird part of the schedule as well. Um, it's obviously maybe a good thing for the Knights to take a couple days off because uh, last night against the Maple Leafs, you know, they're missing a bunch of injured guys. Like, obviously, Max Pacioretty is still out for a while after having wrist surgery, but no William Carrier, no Laurent Brossois, no Nick Haig. Uh, before the game, Nicholas Waugh, no one Patrick. Um, who else am I missing? Shea Theodore. Theodore. Yep, get put in the COVID protocol. Uh, Alec Martinez is both hurt and in the COVID protocol. He is the victim of an unfortunate uh, double whammy right now. So having close to a week off is probably a good thing for the Knights. But it is still weird that their schedule just feels like very herky-jerky at the moment and very, you know, piecemeal and that's probably also because they're in the middle of an eight game homestand right now as well. yeah i mean i, I was gonna say it's it's like nothing's really broken it up you know that that originally was supposed to be there um you know it's funny because you know i think i mentioned this before like you know a lot of times like i think it was nate schmidt you know the first couple of years nate schmidt was always very honest about like you know after a couple weeks just because of the routine it starts to feel like, you know, okay, you know, we're supposed to get on the road. This is starting to feel like I'm here too long. You know, and you ask Alex, Alex Petrangelo about it this year and like, you know, hey, do you want to get on the road? And he's like, you don't know. I got kids. I hate being on the road, you know. So so it's kind of it's kind of interesting and odd and, and whatever that basically for all of January, the Knights are going to be at home. And then they're going to have, you know, that one road trip, you know, kind of down to the southeast. And then at least scheduled is, like you said, that that break. And we'll see how it works and how long, you know, that stays there. If it's, you know, one week, a two week, whatever they decide to do with it. So, you know, I I suppose at this point, though, you know, the the interesting thing is how Pete DeBoer uses it. And, and, you know, do you call it – so, I mean, I I know I did, at least in the print story, you know, called what what the knights are going through right now a bit of a slump like it is they're they're one two and two in the last five they've been at home you know these are winnable games like you talked about chicago yes a lot of emotion but like chicago is a not good team well under 500 nhl 500 or any other 500 you know that was a very winnable game like nashville is a is a good team this year you know you look at their record and all that playing well but like a home game that's a winnable game for the golden knights especially coming off you know like Win- winnipeg like those are dropped points and in, in all of this so you know I, I feel like there's this is a chance a little bit yes to to get healthy and, and whatever but also just regroup a little bit um i don't know about reset like that's a that's like a, a you know five letter word a four letter word whatever in hockey like you know that that's 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 desperation no we're not resetting you know but Whatever you want, whatever they need to kind of go through right now, you know, to kind of get back to consistently playing the way that, you know, they were before that, you know, in December, you know, during that long winning streak, I, I feel like that's where, where they really need to utilize this. Yeah, we'll see if they are able to do that. Uh, like we talked about, obviously, it's going to be a long break. They're going to have 
plenty of time to kind of figure some stuff out and uh, heal up. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, Before we do get out of here, though, I want to bring up one more thing before we close the podcast. And that, of course, is uh, the local hockey community lost just a very, very uh, important and special person. Of course, that's uh, Brian Blessing who um, obviously, Dave, you knew very well. You were just a frequent guest on his show, the Vegas Hockey Hotline. He was obviously at a lot of Knights games, asked questions at press conferences and stuff. It was just a really, really sad, uh, crappy loss. And I don't have a better way to say that. But it just stinks that he's no longer around. And obviously, you can um, speak to that. Uh, much better than I can since you interacted uh, far more. Yeah, and I, I mean, one of the things, you know, one of the things Brian was was a friend of this podcast. You know, always, always let me, you know, when I come on and, and made sure to cut out a little bit of time to, you know, give his guests a chance to, you know, know that we were doing this. Um, you know, there might be some people listening that that came here because of that. I I don't know, but. You know, I always appreciated that with Brian and, and, you know, there was a whole lot, you know, to our friendship. We played golf and, you know, he'd call me in the morning and, you know, kind of chat about the nights or chat about different things. And, you know, sometimes it was just, you know, his friends and sometimes it was, you know, almost like a show prep for him because, you know, one of the things, you know, about Brian that, that you know, Knights fans, I think, have, have maybe gotten a chance you know, and in these unfortunate times to learn and, and, you know, it's too bad they didn't know before if they didn't. But, you know, Brian was a giant in in Buffalo and in the hockey community there. And he hosted a show called Hockey Hotline with Mike Robitaille for 12 years. And it was extraordinarily popular and, and somewhat trendsetting even for, you know, for the time and, and what they were doing and, you know, sort of sort of kind of being fans on the air and, and, you know, calling out the team when they, you know, when they felt like it was appropriate and, and all that. And, you know, after Brian passed away on Sunday, the, the Buffalo Sabres put out a, a, you know, a message on social media, on Twitter. And, you know, it was so cool to go through the replies and, you know, I'm, I'm an oldie. I, I, I'm a boom, you know, whatever, like I'm critical of social media and I think it's a cesspool at times. And, and you go through the Sabres tweet and you expect somebody to be a schmuck, right? Ah, he was, he was this, or he was a loud mouth or, or whatever. Like I didn't like him. There wasn't one comment like that. Nothing, not one. Everything was, I remember Brian, he was great. And all those shows were totally my childhood. And I grew up on that. And, you know, it's funny because Buffalo is a punchline, you know, for a lot of folks in the NHL right now. And, and yeah, it's easy to pick on it. And and Brian loved Buffalo sports and the Sabres and and all that. But, you know, Buffalo is a, is a huge hockey market and it's passionate and, you know, it bleeds into the Toronto market too. And anybody that, you know, is, is, in Southern Ontario gets a lot of the Buffalo, you know, media and, and market. And Brian was on, you know, the channel four there on the television, you know, sports anchor doing all this stuff like that too. On, on top of it, he was a really well-known guy back there. And, 
you know, he carved out his niche here, you know, with Vegas Hockey Hotline and, you know, other sportsbook radio. But, you know, it, it really is. I just, like I said, I wanted to make sure that, that we acknowledged it here. And, and he was a friend of this podcast. And, you know, it, it's definitely a loss for, for us and, and certainly for, you know, the Vegas sports community in, in general. Yeah, just a huge loss for hockey. I mean, that's really what Brian is and was. And I think that's just a fantastic testament to, you know, who he was and the work that he put in to just, uh, like I said, the sport and obviously specifically uh, this community. Um, So obviously just thank you, yeah, Brian, for everything that you did um one thing real quick if if anybody from the golden knights happens to hear this like all of bill foley's golf stories with brian they're they're safe with me don't worry i think they'll be very happy to hear that um but yeah that's gonna do it uh for this edition of the golden edge podcast uh, as a reminder we are brought to you by the las vegas review journal please check out all our written work at reviewjournal.com we are also presented by Blue Wire. Uh, and of course, if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, uh, whatever you do, podcast, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. I'm Ben Goats. That's David Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. Talk to you guys again real soon. the Nevada Preps high school sports coverage you need, plus all Southern Nevada team announcements powered by the Review Journal at nevadapreps.com. Nevada Preps is sponsored by College Prospects of America, connecting student athletes with academic and athletic opportunities. Find out how at cpoa-nevada.com.